goodest of good days podcast pals and welcome to this the all new slimmed down leaner and fitter discontent provider the podcast that has abandoned such symptoms of long formism as grossly overextended metaphors much as might one with a pang or two of exquisite aching regret abandon a time and arse worn pair of pants Certainly, as one looks ruefully at them prior to consigning them to the bin or to the rag bag, a certain melancholy might grip one. Maybe a persistent stain will catch the eye, sparking memories, impressions of a long-forgotten encounter that promised much but delivered ultimately. Whoa there, Foxy! That's enough of that! Like chucking out those frayed and threadbare undercrackers, cutting this sort of thing short is the right thing to do, and you know it. Right then, as ever, the world's greatest lurcher and I are taking our ease in our happy place, about which I shall spare you details of a seasonal or meteorological nature, and pondering the dismal vista we've left behind from a safe distance. And let's face it, from a safe distance is always the best way, is it not? Freed from the immediacy of real concerns and real consequences, a cat or a kitten can really ponder a subject with a becoming objectivity. After all, in the heat, terror and death-laden air of a waking nightmare, the thoughts and impressions of those involved are not always to be relied upon. They're too rattled. They're too busy sheltering from rockets or airstrikes, too preoccupied with the desperate need for medical attention, food or clean water. So how can they be trusted? There's no room for big pincher thinking or considerations of how your conclusions will play with voters in a mind filled with trivia like Is my child dead? Or Fuck me, is that my leg over there? No, it takes safety, distance and the detachment that they bring to be able to make sweeping, overly reductive statements about a hellish conflict that has, as it does from time to time, kicked itself up a notch. That's why we, and when I say we, I really mean a predominantly right-leaning media, have been so frightfully bucked by both PM Rishi Sunak and the leader of the opposition, Keir Starmer, siding firmly with Israel, as per bleeding usual. Rishi was uncommonly decent enough to have the Israeli flag beamed uh, onto the historic frontage of Number 10 Downing Street, and doubtless Sir Keir would have made similar arrangements had he not been in Liverpool, blowing up the balloons, bothering the kitchen staff to make sure that enough vegetarian and diabetic meals had been prepared, and all the other last-minute chores concomitant with uh, hosting a lavish shindig. On top of those headaches, he also had to be extra careful in his response to the Hamas attacks. While even the most milk-toast cosplay leftist is always prone to be pilloried by the establishment for not being sufficiently pro-Israel, and thus falling into a spiked pit of specious allegations of anti-Semitism, Starmer must have felt that, being at the Labour Party conference, the media analysis would be even fiercer and less forgiving than usual. One can almost hear him lamenting, Oh, bother, why do these things always happen to me? When the news broke as he was desperately lugging another crate of Liebfrau milk in from the car park. Perhaps he needn't have bothered, though. Uh, Most hacks seemed more interested in Jeremy Corbyn's stance, uh, clearly thinking that a sidelined ex-party leader who hasn't been affiliated with Labour for nearly three years is a reliable barometer of the attitude of party headquarters. Slow meat cats and kittens, they might as well have come out here and asked me what I thought. Or Arkham here, for that matter. 
because Perhaps unsurprisingly, given our simplistic and divided political climate, a world of black hats and white hats that the late Tom Mix would dismiss as being wholly too jejeune, the ongoing beastliness twixt Palestine and Israel is still pushed as essentially a left-right issue. Absurd, really, given that both factions claim, and dashed loudly too, to have the monopoly on decency, humanitarianism and the greater good in general albeit that they plan wildly different routes by which to reach these laudable destinations. Israel has the right to defend itself by any and all means necessary, and only a raging commie shitfucker says different, is of course a frankly terrifying sentiment, given the means and support that that beleaguered state has at its disposal. Well, well, very few mainstream political leaders will actually utter the second half of that sentence aloud, one gets the impression that uh, should noted strongman and autocracy enthusiast Bibi Netanyahu uh, douse the Gaza Strip with nerve gas, he might be afforded a little more leeway than most other political strategists could expect to receive in similar circumstances. Some of those on the extremish end of the right are, it might be noted, uh, particularly inconsistent uh, in their reluctance to countenance the legitimacy of the Palestinians' complaints or actions. Ramming people into a tiny enclave, screwing with their access to power and fresh water, is no excuse for terrorism, they say staunchly, wagging their fingers as they do so, while simultaneously excusing Vladimir Putin's full-blown military invasion of the Ukraine on the grounds that NATO had provoked him by dancing around in front of him, waving their hands right next to his face and saying, not touching, you can't get cross, and he had, of course, had just about enough of it. What then makes this such a straight, down the middle and unnuanced issue? Could it be, could it perhaps be, that Putin is allegedly a white Christian nationalist and Hamas are, well, you know, not white Christian nationalists? This is in no way applause for Hamas's actions, by the way. Um, their attack and the taking of hostages was an unconscionable act however just their cause may be. But if there is ever to be peace in that troubled region, writing off either faction as damnable monsters beyond the pale of humanity, not that humanity is much to shout about, as my canine co-host here often reminds me, is absolutely the wrong way to achieve it. Which is, come to think of it, what Corbyn said. Rather a bummer that it's political heresy, eh what? Another error people make is conflating the Israeli government and Israel and Hamas with Palestine. However both groups came to be running their respective shows, they don't represent their people any more completely or effectively than any other government, or indeed than Blair and Bush certainly did when they launched their thrilling big boys desert adventure in Iraq back in 2003. In fact, having listened to a lot of people, by which I mean real people, civilians, those on the ground, those at the sharp end, uh, one thing is notable. Palestinian or Israeli alike all share the same air of weariness, of soul-deadening horror, of barely controlled terror. Put simply, they're pig-sick of the whole obscene, grotesque mess, no religious disrespect intended, and simply want it to end. But that's democracy, I suppose. A mandate goes so easily to some fuckstumps' heads, do they, does it not? A good night at the polls, a few bob on hand, a gun at the hip, 
and visions of personal glory and heroism dancing before their eyes. And time and again, the great and the good decide that the will of the people can go and fuck itself. And if it isn't willing to go and fuck itself, they'll happily shoot it in the back of the head as a traitor. Right you are then, podcast pals. That's your lot for today. We're off home to see what else has gone to shit. We'll see you back here on Wednesday for another easily taken pessimism suppository. Gel-coated for your convenience, pleasure and comfort. Until then, from myself, the Silver Fox, and Arkham, the Black and White Dog, cheerio.